0: what's going on? Thanks a lot for joining us again, you guys. It is season two, episode two. We've got about three topics to talk about tonight. We'll wander around a little bit. Um, We're going to talk about different kinds of overlanding rigs and some gear and common questions that come up. And tonight, I have with us as a guest, the East Coast Overland Bound ambassador. And Overland Bound has ambassadors in various regions, you can contact them to talk about what's going on in your area. Chris, hello. Howdy. So um, you've been with us for a, a long time. You you joined the forums years ago. You and I have have talked quite a bit over the years. You've had you know uh, a chance to sort of grow with the community. Tell us how um, it started for you, or how you know how you got into overlanding and and what your What your introduction was, and and tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, uh, honestly, overlanding was a natural transition or coming together of a lot of things that I was doing previously. Growing up and and through college, I was an avid backpacker, um, hiker. Did a lot of I I raced dirt bikes and did a lot of riding of dirt bikes, uh, enduro style, and grew up around different types of vehicle travel and so when I got out of college and and my wife and I moved down to Texas it wasn't something that was necessarily hugely popular but it was something that I knew I was interested in I just didn't know what it was at the time and I got online and and joined several different forums and I had a little bit of a tough time for a while finding out information and figuring out you know, what direction I wanted to go in with it, um, it was a little overwhelming and, and kind of felt a little boxed in, honestly. Um, once I had kind of figured out, you know, overlanding in general is, you know, that it was something that I wanted to do and that, you know, my wife and I wanted to get into, it was a pretty easy transition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we already liked hiking and, and camping and all of that stuff. and And so it was just it was a pretty easy
0: marrying together of all those things. Yeah. What, if I can ask, what was the, you know, the, the vehicle dependent part of it, right? So, so you had this background. um, It sounds like you grew up in the outdoors. Um, When did you say, you know, I, I want, you know, I want to go longer distance with my vehicle, have my vehicle be my you know, my primary base camp and and have it support me on my adventures. Was there a specific moment or it just was natural, a natural uh, um, transition?
1: Yeah, it was actually kind of born out of necessity a little bit. Um, My my wife has uh, hip issues and so backpacking really became a problem Mm -hmm. for her. Um, You know, hiking really long distances while carrying um, a fair amount of weight. So that kind of necessitated yeah. um, the vehicle dependency part of it. And, and really, once we dove into figuring out, you know, what all of that was and, and jumped into those forums and, and read about all of these trips and things, you know, it, it, it just snowballed out of control from there.
0: Yeah. You know, I can imagine Corey... My wife also has, um, she has rheumatoid arthritis and, and faces some of the, the same issues. And the fact of the matter is, yeah, strapping a 50-pound pack on and marching through the, the wilderness just is not going to happen. But, you know, that that's one thing that people don't talk about a lot with overlanding is, you know, it does make it accessible to a a, a broader, you know, range of folks. And we love our vehicles. And in this, you know, in this instance, they're, you know, even more you know, necessary for getting us out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. and I, th- I think another really big part of it um, is there are hundreds of different ways to uh, accomplish the same destination to, to make it to the same destination, as opposed to, you know, when we're hiking and and this is kind of a strangely specific example that probably only New Englanders will will know. But, you know, you wanna go and hike up Mount Lafayette, well, you have two trails to get there. Uh, and it's only those two trails to get to the summit. And so with the overlanding, it, it's the, it really attracted us that, you know, we could take several different ways to get to a destination and we're gonna see something different along each of those ways.
0: Um, you bring up a, a good point about choosing your 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 route. Um, there are many different ways to travel. You, you know, I mean, you have this broad spectrum, which sort of defines for each individual what that vehicle-dependent travel is all about. Like, you know, within our group, even you have fairly hardcore rock crawling um vehicles and and folks that like to go on very technical trails you know and then i guess the opposite end of that spectrum would be folks that primarily stay on on pavement but travel long distances will get off the beaten track as much as they can but then you have everything in between as well
1: yeah and the, the kind of the fun thing about uh you know little plug for overland Bound, uh, the fun thing about the community is just on this last trip—it wasn't even a trip; it was just a camping weekend where we went on a day ride uh, up here in the in the east—and we had everything from uh, an extremely modified, heavily lifted Blazer um, to a Suzuki SX4. <laughs> no, no joke. <laughs> and we were on a, a trail that I was confident that the SX4 would make because I, when I graduated college, I couldn't find any work. And so I, I sold cars at a Nissan Suzuki dealership. And so I had some experience with the SX4 and it, I, I made sure that he was going to show up with the SX4 because it's, I mean, it's a huge confidence booster one for the person that owns that SX4 to see holy crap my car can actually do this stuff but then it's also kind of a hey look he's in a way keeping up with a lot of other people that have heavily modified stuff yeah. and so and it was just i mean it was an absolute blast it was so much fun um and there were there were rigs of every kind there there was there was you know a classic a, a classic land cruiser two classic Land Cruisers there of, of different generations.
0: Yeah. Um, Breaking down preconceived notions of what you can and cannot do is, is always a fun thing to do. Time and time again, when we go out on the trail, when somebody is going off-road for the first time, they're quite surprised what they can actually do with their vehicle. Now, just to be clear, um, audience, Chris isn't talking about the Rubicon Trail right no no <laughs> the, no no <laughs> for, the, for the for the sx4 right so <laughs> <laughs> there, there are limits yes right? no there're
1: absolutely limits yeah um, there were there were there were a couple of spots on this trail that were pretty difficult for the sx4 that yeah. were fairly easy for somebody with a little bit of experience with a stock high clearance vehicle Right. It was it was by no means an extremely difficult trail, but it was an it was a difficult trail for the SX4. Right, absolutely.
0: We have the say, saying it doesn't matter what you drive. The thing that goes right along with that is it does matter where you drive it. And you know, so there are all kinds of different forms of overlanding. I think Chris, you'd agree when, you know, you talk to folks just getting started. Everybody has a different idea about what they want to do or what journey, you know, they, they want to take.
1: And that's kind of the that's kind of the crux of it, right? Is they know somebody will come into the community. They know that they want to get out into the middle of nowhere or they want to at least travel and see things that you don't typically get to see if you stay, you know, on the pavement. The hard part is figuring out before you've made any purchases or decided what it is that you're going
0: to get, what it is you want to do. Right. And it's, it's funny. I always, I get the question. I get this question more often than than you might think. People ask, I have $1,200. What should I buy? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it's a great way to spark the conversation, but it's not really the question. The question is, what are your intentions? What do you plan to do?
1: Yeah, and it's, my typical response is what do you have people don't realize that they may have something that'll do pretty much what they already want to do They they're sort of fed um these these gimmicks about you know jeep is the only thing that'll take you there or toyota is the only thing that'll take you there and you know there's nothing wrong with brand loyalty um but for somebody who's just starting out, especially if they don't have any experience off-road, they don't need to have a Jeep right away.
0: Yeah, that, that might – or having the extreme vehicle might – Or having be the up, extreme vehicle. That might get you in just a little bit too much trouble. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's – you know, that's – you know, my, my typical first question is what do you have? If they tell me they have something – that is at least a stock high clearance vehicle that has four wheel drive, I'll say, well, why can't you use that? You know, save, save your money and use my, my whole philosophy on purchasing and and, uh, upgrading a rig is don't buy something you don't need. And the way that I find out that I need something is by getting out and doing these trips and saying, you know what I really could have used on this trip is XYZ. Uh, I really could have used, you know, a, a roof rack or more lights or, you know, figuring out what it is that you need to have in your repertoire. And there are some base things that you absolutely should have before you go out. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, don't buy a first aid kit because you haven't needed one yet. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> there are definitely, you know, the basic, you
0: must have these things. Uh, Just about cut my arm off. Next time. Next time
1: <laughs> I'm going to bring a first aid kit. And there's nothing wrong with going out and buying something. That's right. part of the allure of overlanding for some people is they want that build project and they want, uh, Yeah. they, they want to have that part of the experience. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if somebody comes up to me and says they only have $3,000 and they want to know what rig to buy, I'm going to ask them, what do you have already? Right.
0: Yeah, that's a great place to start. You know, Um, certainly that $3,000 can easily go into a rig. But if you don't have to spend it, uh, you can spend it on other things that may get you out there longer or farther. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think the over the the overarching, you know, theme here is don't, you know, define it for yourself. Not only is it better for you, but it's also required in order to um you know, don't let anybody else tell you what your version of overlanding or vehicle dependent travel is going to be because one, that'll probably get you into trouble and two, it's not the best way to to approach it because you have to define what you're going to do in order to know how to build your rig, what rig you want, what gear you want, and the stuff you don't need, quite frankly. Yep. Hey, um, w- when you're talking to folks, uh, they're just getting started, um, or experienced overlanders, um, what, uh, what are some of the, the, the common questions that, y- that you get? Um, from people that are just getting started, what do they want? To, what do they want to know? The ones that I hear the most often are, um, "Where can I go?"
1: and "When's the next trip?"
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, to answer the second question, the the next trip is whenever you plan the next trip to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but but seriously, we you know we work hard, the ambassadors um, work hard to try to come up with, um, trips and things to do. And, and, you know, there's only so many that we can put together. Uh, but I definitely encourage folks if you have an idea for a trip or, uh, or, or even just a day ride or, or a camping trip or something like that, uh, to just go ahead and, and get something going, um, and use the ambassadors as a resource. Um we're, you know, we're going to put together some things, but we're also here to support what the members are putting together themselves.
0: Right, right. Um, um, you know, I want to say along with that, that one of the things that we advocate, of course, uh, we have our founding principles. And one of the things is, you know, encouraging uncomplicated adventures into the great outdoors. And one of the reasons for that is because if you set yourself up so that you have your kit ready to go and you have, um, your, your gear already prepared, you can get up and go at a moment's notice and you'll go on more trips. If you're prepared to go basically all the time, you'll go, you know, you'll go more frequently.
1: Yeah. Yep. And there's, I mean that I, I'm like an ultra planner. I have to sit down and write, you know, a list of, this, that, and the other, even, even if I, you know, even though I have these boxes that I keep fairly stocked and ready to go, um, I still have to sit there and, and write down everything that I know that is in that box, uh, and then go through that box and check and, and, you know, make sure that what I know is there is there. Yep. Uh, and that can be a little bit time consuming. Uh, but for a lot of people, they don't have that sort of I don't want to call it OCD because I don't want to have OCD. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you don't. I'm sure uh, you don't. I or No, I don't. I don't. Um, but, you know, for, for people that don't, you know, that aren't that type of person, having boxes that you just keep stocked, and I know that you've posted uh, videos uh, about how you guys do it, is a fantastic way to just know – that you, where your gear is at all times. And all you have to do is throw those bins into the vehicle on top yeah. of the vehicle. And you're pretty well ready to go. I mean, besides a stop to the grocery store or mm, to purchase spare
0: fuel or something like that. Um, yeah. I, um, you know, you and I've talked before clearly, and you've mentioned the, the last minute grocery stop and, and um, we do that every time. Right. I mean, you throw your cases and you throw your gear in the, if you can get yourself to the point where the only thing you're having to do is stop to get your cold goods, that's a really good place to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, that works really well for, for people that live in, uh, in an urban environment, uh, in Austin, Texas, if you want to get outside of Austin, on a Friday afternoon, it's not happening. You, I mean, you have to give yourself a whole bunch of time. So it's great to, in the morning, Friday morning, I can throw everything into the rig and I know that all I have to do is stop at a grocery store at some point once I'm outside of Austin. I can get out the door quicker on Friday afternoon and yep. I can beat most of the traffic and be out of city limits in time to not have to sit in traffic for the rest of the night yep um so that was kind of a big factor for me implementing that whole bin style of you know ready to go um yeah and it's you know you there's there's dry goods in those bins so even if i didn't make a grocery stop i'd still have some stuff at least for that first night or possibly second night um But I'll typically stop at a grocery store just because there's, you know, I don't always feel like having what's in my bins already. Sometimes I'm, you know, (laughs) I pull in, I I end up spending a little bit of time at the grocery store because I'm like, ah, you know, I want to try something different this time, and you know, let's find some ingredients for this crazy camp recipe of some kind or something like that.
0: Yeah, you really, Um, I mean, you really can get away with fairly with fairly little. I I typically find that I have um, plenty and I know Chris from talking in the past, you, you do have a fairly, you know, minimalist approach to, you know, your, your travels or your adventures. You you like to stay fairly lean.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, If it's uh, if my wife uh, is with me or now, especially where we have a daughter uh, the, the, the trooper is pretty well loaded down. Um, But if I'm just by myself, you know, it's bare bones. Um, You know, I've got first aid kit, some recovery gear, some food. And, and that's pretty well, that's pretty well it. I like to roll pretty light.
0: I've been, uh, I've been guilty of not rolling light. (laughs) i certainly know. And, (laughs) And, you know, if, if you're out there listening, you know, you know what I'm talking about, or if you're just getting started, be warned, there can be a slippery slope. You know, for, for me, what, what happens is if I'm in transition, like I'll have my kit. We roll with the same kit and it's something that we know. Uh, But I went through a process where I wanted to lean down what was on top of the rig and, you know, trim it down so I could fit it. On the, on the inside of the rig and during the transition until you get things kind of dialed again, things can get sloppier, at least they did for me. And I had, you know, too many things. I was putting things in the truck because I wasn't sure if I had a replacement and, you know, I was, I was weighted, weighted down. But yeah, I, I, I would also encourage, you know, going as lean as you can. Let, let's do an, uh, kind of an overview we've talked about a few things and um, don't let anybody define overlanding for you because you have to define it for yourself so that you can plan accordingly and know what you need yeah. based on, you know, the adventures you're, you're, you're going to do uh, pack light. If you pack light and you're prepared to go out, you'll go out more often. And a third thing that you mentioned that we didn't really touch on um, is you know, where do I go? Yeah. You, you know, that's a really common question too. Where do I go? And that's that's a complicated issue. Um, what I'll say, of course, is I'll say, go to overlandbound.com and go to the regional sections, talk to our ambassadors and say, hey, where are you guys going? Because you'll get the latest, greatest information with with private land and with, unfortunately, with with trail closures um, and, and other complexities or just natural causes some trails may change or be available or not available and that happens faster than you might think so getting in touch with the community and getting in touch with um, folks that are traveling there will give you the latest information um, possible so you know just getting involved with any kind of uh community to see you know what what is local to you or where you want to travel, uh, is, a, is a good idea. You'll get the most recent information. All right, Chris. Um, what else? I don't know if that was, I think that was the three that you had mentioned. Yeah. Great. Great. All right. And tell us, um, how, how can folks get in touch with you, Chris? So I'm,
1: uh, I'm on the forums, uh, Chris Jones, uh, nothing special on that username.
0: Uh, I, it ensure am... it is, it is special because it ensures that you're basically invisible. <laughs> That's true. You, you are not going to find Chris online by typing in Chris Jones. No, you're not. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so,
1: uh, so it's probably better if you, if you, uh, you could send an email to, uh, Jones at overlandbound.com. Uh, or if, or if you're on the, uh, the Facebook group, the East region East Facebook group, uh, I'm fairly active on there. I haven't been as active the last couple of weeks, uh, but I'm kind of getting back onto that. So, all
0: right, uh, great. Hey, thanks for, uh, spending the time with us tonight, for having me, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, Y'all look up, Chris, especially if you happen to be on the on the East Coast, and uh, he can answer your questions and you know help support what you guys want to do. All right, you guys. Till next time. What am I gonna say? Outfit and explore. Talk to you guys soon.